we're in a series now looking at the songs that we sing. So as part of this, Pastor Simon showed you last week that the songs that we sing have been part of the, the Christian tradition since the beginning. There, you know, there are songs of praise and worship all throughout the Bible, but we don't sing them just for the sake of tradition. We're told that God finds them pleasing. They're a way for us to, I guess, connect with God's word in a different way. They're ways for us to express our love for God. So songs of praise and worship are a core part of our Christian faith. And so if they are a core part, then we want to help you connect with the songs that we sing here at this church, um, not just to recite the lyrics, but to, to meditate on the, the deeper meaning that's behind those lyrics, to maybe trace the themes that are throughout those songs and be inspired by them. Use those lyrics to find that deeper meaning and the joy and the comfort that comes with that deeper meaning. So as part of this, I'll be looking at a song that's called The Blessing. So we, uh, we sung it this morning. It's a song written by Elevation Worship. It's one that we love to sing here. And as it turns out, so do lots of other churches. Uh, the song was released originally in 2020, and it became really popular. It became a, a commercial success. It was nominated for and won some awards. And um, it's now sung in, in multiple places around the world in lots of different languages. And so you might find it surprising then to find out that according to the artists who wrote it, they only wrote this song days before it was performed live. So I think the reason that it became so popular as a worship song is because it has lyrics that are taken from the Bible. It has lyrics that have that deeper meaning that is found in God's word. And for that reason, uh, it's, it's resonated with people. And perhaps especially because it was released at a time where there was a lot of uncertainty. It was released during the pandemic and we all lived through it. We know how those years brought with it uncertainty and anxiety. And therefore, it makes sense that people would resonate with these lyrics that are inspired by the Bible that provide that joy and comfort. And so, for example, on the screen there is the, the first verse from this song. It's taken straight from Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. So if you're reading it in the NIV, it's, it's word for word. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And so as the, the title of this song would suggest, these are all blessings. And blessing is, I guess you could say, one of those religious words that we often use in, in different contexts without, um, I guess, the, the deeper biblical meaning attached to it. People say, um, bless you when you sneeze. People say a blessing over their meal before they eat. Had my next door neighbour say, bless your heart, James, to me the other day. Um, you know, and sometimes it's just a way of just saying um, that things are going well, that your relationships are going well, things are going well in life. People say, I'm so blessed. Hashtag blessed. All those sorts of things, right? So what I want to show you today that is that in the Bible, uh, blessing does have a deeper meaning and I think more significance. Um, and that's really the main thing I want to look at. Not, not particularly sort of verse for verse what this, where this song takes its, um, I guess, biblical references from, but just the general theme that's behind the whole thing, which is blessings. And so my hope is that this would give you a new way and a way to look at this song and a new way to appreciate it as well. And so a good place to start is with the first blessing that's mentioned in the Bible. And so we're going to start at Genesis 1. It's at the screen there. So at the start of the biblical story, we read that God takes this watery, 
dark nothingness, and he creates order and life out of it. And part of that life is creating the animals on the earth. And so that's where we read the first blessing. It's in Genesis 1:22. It says this, Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. So producing fruit and the multiplication of life are a sign of God's blessing. Right? So blessings are about flourishing. They're about things growing, developing in a healthy way. Right? And it comes from God sharing his own life-producing power with others. And in this case, it's the animals he's created. And like all biblical stories, you're supposed to look at this and ponder what it means. Think about the image that's, that's created here. Consider what it looked like in the Garden of Eden. And there are lots of things that are not specifically said here but are implied uh, that are important to the understanding of this context, I guess. And so uh, in order for life to, to flourish... It requires things like peace, stability, security, good health, long life. A whole bunch of things are required and need to be in place for life to flourish. It also requires a lot of resources. Needs, you need a lot of resources to fill the earth. Right? And so it's also an image of abundance. All of those things are tied up in the image of what a blessing actually is. And so, so you could say that all those things are part of what it means to be blessed. Those good things that come from God that allow life to flourish. All right? And so next we see the second blessing we find in the Bible is where God gives humans an additional blessing, all right? which sets them apart from the animals. It says this in Genesis 1.28. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. So not only are the humans the ones um, God has created um, to be fruitful and multiply, just like the animals. They've been given this ability to flourish and, and fill the earth, but we also see that they've been given this blessing to govern the earth. It's an extra blessing um, to oversee a whole world of other flourishing creatures on God's behalf. And so that blessing involves becoming stewards of other creatures' blessings, you could say. And again, you're supposed to ponder this and spend some time thinking about the image that this creates. And it's an image of God and people working alongside each other. It's an image of partnership where people trust in God's wisdom to fulfill a greater purpose, right? And so humans come alongside God in a partnership, right? But like any partnership, it requires trust. So we're given this image of a blessed land in Genesis. It's a garden, there is abundance, there's flourishing animals, there's people partnering with God. But this blessing is conditional. All these good things are conditional on people trusting God. And so this is presented to us in the form of two different trees that the people can eat from. There's the tree of life, which represents God's wisdom, doing things God's way. The other tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Knowledge of good and evil represents the decision to seize authority for themselves, to trust in their own human wisdom, you could say. And so God says, just don't eat from that one other tree. Don't eat from it because if you do, it's going to mess all this up. All this stuff, the fulfillment, the enjoyment, the maintenance of this blessing, you'll mess it all up if you eat from that other tree. Um, so to enjoy this blessing in its fullness, the humans have to trust in God. Right? 
you can trust that God will, will give you the blessing that you need and in the time and the way that you need it. Or you can, seize, you can look about seizing it for yourself, you know, grabbing it, taking it, the things that look good in your own eyes that you think will lead to a blessing. They're essentially the, the two options that are presented to them. The issue here is that the tree they're not supposed to eat from looks like it's good to eat from, right? And the snake capitalizes on that. The one who comes to deceive them uh, makes, makes use of that. So the tree that will kill them actually looks like it will bless them. It's like a, like a poison fruit. And the only thing that's going to tell me that the fruit is not good to eat is if somebody else who is wiser than me tells me that it's not good to eat. And it reminded me actually of um, Sarah and I went for a walk through the Longlow Gorge near Queanbeyan and we picked a whole bunch of blackberries that were growing by the river and they were ripe and they looked delicious. And we filled like a little bag full of these blackberries and took them away with us. And on the way out, we saw a big sign saying, don't pick the blackberries, they've been sprayed with poison. And so thankfully we hadn't eaten any already. We, <laughs> we maybe suspected already that they, they had done that, but if we hadn't been told, we wouldn't have known, right? We had to trust in the wisdom of someone else who, who knew that those were not good to eat from. And so it's kind of the same idea in the Garden of Eden. You know, the, the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it looks like it's good to eat. And the snake capitalizes on that. And so the humans, they're, they're tricked into eating from this other tree. Right? They're thinking that it's a, a shortcut to getting a blessing. Right? In other words, they, they do things on their own terms. They expect this shortcut. They think that if they do things on their own terms, that they can still create and oversee this world that's flourishing. Right? They think that their own wisdom will lead to a world that's full of peace and stability, security, abundance and purpose. That's what they think. But what they get instead is the opposite. Instead of a, a blessing, the actions actually lead to a curse. And I'm not talking about a magic spell. This isn't Dungeons and Dragons. No, that in the Bible, a curse is when God just hands people over to the consequences of their own actions. You can think of it, uh, a curse as the circumstances that will now take place because of the choices people have made. That's, that's a curse in the biblical sense. So when people rely on their own wisdom, it is a curse because instead of those things, instead of the peace, the stability, the abundance and purpose, um, people are instead given the opposite. They're given scarcity, isolation, death. Right? And so instead of flourishing, they experience scarcity. Instead of overseeing this world, they now have to work the ground until they die. God hands them over to their own poor decisions. Right? So they, they miss out on the fullness of God's blessing. Right? And so the story of the Garden of Eden basically summarizes, I think, every generation of characters that then follows for the rest of the Old Testament and the biblical story. Each story you read is how people make choices that look good in their own eyes, but actually turn out to be a curse. Things that they think will lead to a blessing, but give them the opposite. Um, and so there, it's you know, lots of examples of people ta taking matters into their own hands. There's lots of stories about deception and cheating and murder and all those sorts of things where people think that they're going to get something good out of it at the end. Instead, they get the opposite. And so there are two paths here. Trust that God will give you the blessing that you need in the time that you need it, or go about grabbing that for yourself, trying to seize the blessing, the things that you think are good in your own eyes. And it, I think, not only summarizes the characters in the Bible that we read about, but it's also the state of our world today. 
right? The fallen world of people that we live with who are all living under this, this curse of trusting in their own wisdom. So how can we flourish? How can we have purpose in a world that is living under a curse like this? We know that God wasn't content to leave the world in that state. As Ryan said in the communion message this morning, God made a promise right back in the Garden of Eden actually to reverse that curse, to make a way to restore his blessing for the entire world. Right? And he does that through Jesus. Right? So when we turn to the story of Jesus, we find the world is still living under the curse like it is today. They're living with the, the consequences of humankind's poor decisions. And in their case, Israel is living as slaves under the Roman Empire. But then there's this guy, Jesus, who we find teaching his followers some pretty radical stuff. He teaches them to bless people who curse him. We see him teaching his followers to, to share and be generous with other people, even when it looks like there's not enough. Uh, in essence, he, he taught his followers to trust in God's wisdom yeah? and to trust that God would be there for them, providing them with what they needed when they needed it, teaching people what it looks like to reverse the curse. But not only that, we also find Jesus healing and restoring people's physical bodies, restoring their sight, healing disease. Jesus was reversing the curse, showing people what it looks like when God's blessing is unleashed. But the radical things Jesus did don't end with just those few examples. He also claimed that God was, God's blessing was arriving through him in an entirely new way, something people hadn't seen before. And this is what it says in John eleven twenty five. It says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. If death is a consequence of the curse, then resurrection and life are the reversal of that curse. They are a blessing. And Jesus claimed that this blessing was arriving through him. Right? And by doing this, we know that Jesus made a lot of enemies. His fellow Israelites, the people who were in power at that time, they didn't like what Jesus taught. They found him to be a threat to their power. And those leaders have Jesus arrested and killed. But instead of fighting back, Jesus chooses to face this unjust punishment. Jesus believed that actually he was the chosen Israelite who would face the curse on behalf of humanity just as God had promised. And so the curse, I guess you could say, that humanity deserves, Jesus takes it on himself. He would allow that curse to kill him, and he does die this painful, humiliating, and, and shameful death that would be for a person who's living under the curse. But just as God brought life and blessing out of a dark, watery nothingness in the beginning, God again, through Jesus, brings life and blessing by raising Jesus from the dead. So the curse itself is what's put to death so that the blessing of God's life can spread out once again. And so after his resurrection, Jesus blessed his followers and he said that his presence would be with them as they learn to trust in God and his blessing and, and share it with others. And while death and the curse still have a hold on our world today, as followers of Jesus, we believe that trusting in God's blessing is even stronger than that curse, they, that trusting in God's wisdom will reverse the curse and bring about a blessing. And that's how the biblical story ends. It's where every nation is enjoying the gifts of God's blessing 
and God's abundance. This is what it says in Revelation 22.3. No longer will there be a curse upon anything, for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him. So in God's new world that is sustained by Jesus' life-giving power, there is no longer any curse. All right? And my hope in, in showing you how this theme of blessing is woven into the biblical story, um, my hope is that you'd be encouraged to, I guess, take the core message behind the Garden of Eden and the, the theme of blessing with you, which is trusting God's wisdom and receive his blessing. You know, a blessing is God sharing his life-producing power with others. You know, it's what allows life to flourish, and for us, God's blessing has uh, an additional blessing on top of that. It's to rule alongside God in a world where there is peace, stability, security, abundance, and for us, purpose. That's what it means to be blessed, but it requires trust. And that's the main point behind the story in the Garden of Eden. We're being encouraged to eat from the tree of life, to trust in God's wisdom, trust in his abundance, trust that he's going to provide for you in the time that you need, when you need it. And the problem comes when we think that we can get that blessing without God's wisdom, when we think that we can eat from the other tree, what we're saying is we can create that peace, stability, abundance, purpose, all those good things on our own terms. Um, but what we know is that it actually brings about a curse where God pe hands people over to the consequences of their own actions. So Jesus shows us what it looks like to trust in God's wisdom, right? And how the blessing that brings is more powerful than anything that you will face in this world today. So I'll invite the band to come back up. Again, we're going to, in a moment, sing this song, The Blessing, one more time. And so, as, you're, as you sing this song again, I'd say, know that what you're doing here is you're speaking a blessing over your own life and other people's lives. That's what you're doing. You're, you're saying a blessing. You're wishing these good things that come from God's life-producing power on yourself and other people. And so, as you sing the blessing in the verse here, it says, the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. I'd say be reminded of actually what it means to be blessed. You know, think of the imagery that's created in the Garden of Eden. Think of life flourishing and people working alongside God. Think of that peace, stability, security, abundance and purpose. That's God's blessing and the result of trusting in God's wisdom. And that is his desire for you. He wants you to have those good things. And as you sing the, bless the blessing that's in the bridge here, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you, all around you and within you. He is with you. Think of how God has already blessed you by going before you, you know, making a way and behind you by providing you with comfort and security. Think of how maybe God has provided for you um, you know, miraculously for a financial need. Think of how he's set you free from an area of sin that you've been struggling with. Think about how he's restored the broken relationships that you might have in your life. That's the result of trusting in God's wisdom. He wants those good things for you, and he is with you. As you sing the blessing that's in the refrain here, in the morning, in the evening, and you're coming and you're going, and you're weeping and rejoicing, he is for you. Yeah, I'd say... Know that he is for you. He desires to see you blessed. You know, At all times and in all seasons, his desire is to see you blessed. 
All he asks for you, from you in return is that you would trust in his wisdom. Let's sing.